he wanted biblical counselors to have enough information about medicine so that they would not be fearful to approach problems that had an important label on it. And I had one friend who said that reading Doc's original book took all the fear out of counseling people who would show up in the office with a label. And that was my goal. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? What does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Dr. Charles Hodges. Dr. Hodges is a practicing physician at St. Vincent Family Medicine in Indianapolis. He's practiced medicine now for a total of 48 years. Imagine that. He also serves on our Faith Biblical Counseling Center staff. He's been in that role now for 25 years. And for the last six years, he's also been the executive director at Vision of Hope. That's a ministry we have here at Faith for at-risk girls ages 14 to 28 struggling with unplanned pregnancies and drug abuse, alcohol abuse, eating disorders, and self-harm. And then on top of all of that, I realize just hearing that list, you might already be tired on behalf of, of Dr. Hodges, but he's also been used of the Lord to write several books, including just recently released the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference, then Good Mood, Bad Mood, Hope and Help for Depression and Bipolar Disorder. He's also contributed the chapter on self-harm and caring for the souls of children by Amy Baker. So, Dr. Hodges, thanks a lot for your long-term faithfulness, for the model that you have been for those of us in the biblical counseling movement, and for just the important role that you have played as a physician. So thanks for taking some time to join us today. Oh, well, it's a privilege. I'm glad you asked me. Hey, can you first just tell our listeners, how did you become involved in biblical counseling in the first place? Well, I started practicing medicine in Lebanon, Indiana, 48 years ago. <laughs> and I know it sounds kind of strange, but after about 10 years, I really got kind of bored hmm. practicing medicine in a small town. Uh-huh. And I went to my pastor, who was my brother, Grant, and asked him what I could go back to school for that would be useful at church. Interesting. And he said counseling. Hmm. So I signed up for a master's degree in Christian counseling at a large university and one that attempted to harmonize or mix secular counseling theory with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And I earned that degree, and in 1989 I finished it and started counseling at church. Uh And I did that for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And at the end of 10 years, to be honest, I was a little discouraged about the outcomes. Interesting. I really thought that I could counsel some people for an hour a week for the rest of their lives, and mm. they'd get better for about 15 minutes or so. <laughs> Didn't really see any significant change. About that time, my pastor brother was trying to consider whether he ought to move on to a different church mm. or if he should stay there for another 20 years like he did. 
And Randy Patton influenced him at that time to come up to faith and take the counseling course. And Dr. Bill Goode and you and Doc Smith graciously agreed to let him come. <laughs> and he came back a different pastor. Interesting. He pastored differently. And I would watch him counsel, and he counseled differently. And I really thought he was getting better outcomes than I was. And <laughs> so I became very interested in, in what he'd learned, and I signed up for the February conference. Uh-huh. And Doc Smith got wind of the fact that I was coming. And as soon as I got here, he took me to lunch and then started recruiting me to stay and learn how to counsel. Very interesting. Which I did. Yeah. And you mentioned Dr. Smith. I realize some who are listening may not know that name. Bob Smith was the co-founder of Faith Biblical Counseling Ministries 45 years ago now, a very godly medical doctor. So he and my predecessor, Bill Goode, worked together to launch all of this. Dr. Smith was also on the board of the National Association of Neuthetic Counselors. And if you go all the way back to the very beginning, to the Journal of Pastoral Practice, which was the journal that was used by Jay Adams and John Bettler as they were launching all of this, they had a place for articles about medicine practically from the beginning, and a lot of those articles were written by Dr. Smith. And so the Lord used him to help those of us doing biblical counseling to understand the role of the body in the counseling process. I'm so very glad for his ministry. How did Dr. Smith impact you? Well, Doc, as I would call him, was Mm -hmm. my friend. He was my friend and my teacher and my mentor in medicine and biblical counseling. At one point, I really thought about leaving medicine and Mm -hmm. going back to seminary and just going into pastoral work. And I did eventually go to seminary, but I didn't leave medicine. Uh, I went and sat down with Doc one day and talked to him about it. Mm -hmm. And his observation was that pastors often do things that are kind of tedious, just like doctors do things that are kind of tedious. He thought if I was bored with doctoring, I might get bored with pastoring as well. (laughs) So he suggested that I go talk to my pastor and have him give me an assignment to do. And was some kind of fair for Awana, Uh and it would take months to do, and I did it for months, and after I got done with it, I decided Doc was absolutely right. That's a fascinating way of helping you see that, wasn't it? And so I decided that, like Doc said, that I'd probably be more useful to the biblical counseling movement if I stayed as a physician. Doc took me under his wing when I showed up here. I All the counseling observation I did was with Doc. I sat in the room and watched him counsel for a good long time, and then on a nervous moment, he moved me into the counseling chair and sat over in the observation chair and watched, watched me counsel. I can tell you that it was a great gift. Honestly, whatever you see in me in counseling has Doc's fingerprints all over it. So Doc was the kind of fellow that I would have said was a father to me in medicine and a father to me in biblical counseling, and I became his physician's son in the profession. Hmm. That's a delightful way of thinking about him, and the fact that he would have you sitting and watching him and then eventually essentially switch places where he was watching you. You were doing the counseling, but he was there, and he could talk with you about it before and after. That's a great way to learn how to counsel, isn't it? It was marvelous. I can remember one day, and I often tell students this, that I was counseling a fellow who was having struggles in his marriage, and I was having to admonish him for something. 
after I got done, I told Doc, I said, this was awkward. Uh, you know, here I am. I think I'm admonishing him for something that exists in my own life. Hmm. And Doc looked at me and said, isn't it marvelous when God arranges for your lips to say the words your ears need to hear? <laughs> oh, I can hear Doc saying that. And he's right, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's he, was. Ab- he was absolutely right about that for sure. You know, you're a very busy medical doctor, and having practiced all these years, I mean, you certainly could have retired, and yet you're still practicing medicine, but you find time to volunteer here at Faith Biblical Counseling Ministries. You're serving as the executive director of Vision of Hope. That's a huge responsibility in and of itself. What motivates you to do those kind of things and to continue to do those kind of things all the many years you've done them? Well, I think that all of us hope to do something in life that matters, mm-hmm. you know, that will have some impact. I've practiced medicine in a lot of different places in 48 years, and I can tell you that some of them were a lot more fulfilling than others have been. And the ones that have interested me most have been the ones where I can share the gospel with hurting patients. Mm-hmm. I was drawn to biblical counseling at the start because it allowed me to use both sides of what I do. It allowed me to use my medical knowledge concerning things like depression and OCD and bipolar disorder and worry and anxiety. But to be in a position to help people with things that medicine wasn't sufficient for, Hmm. things that medicine couldn't fix. I had the privilege then of sharing with them the sufficient principles of scripture that would give them hope and help I'd say that's kept me coming back for the last 25 years on Monday evenings. It wasn't for the ham sandwich, I don't think. (laughs) Vision of Hope was very similar. You know, why did I come to Vision of Hope? Well, the main reason why I came to Vision of Hope is because you all asked me to do so. Hmm. I was moving from one position to the next at that time, and the opportunity for me to have a more flexible schedule was coming into play. And I sat down with Helen and asked her how much time I could devote, how much time she'd let me. And then I agreed to come. And I came because, again, I viewed it as a real opportunity to use what I knew of medicine and of biblical counseling to help women who were struggling. And on top of that, to train women. I've had the privilege of training a significant number of women who come to Vision of Hope to intern and to train so that they can learn how to do biblical counseling, you know, so I get to train the next generation of women counseling women. I'm pretty certain it was providential that I'd be the fellow during this last six years, particularly for those two difficult years when COVID was determining all the things that we were doing on a day in and day out basis. It was useful for me to be a physician who was making decisions about what you do at a residential facility where people live in close quarters and there was a communicable disease abroad. Graduations keep me coming back, though, for Vision of Hope. This Sunday at 2.30, we'll have a graduation for four women who have worked their way through the program. They were involved in the program, uh, all four of them, for two years Hmm. and have finally graduated or home, growing and continuing in progressive sanctification, learning to become more like Christ and live out their testimonies in their own communities, and so we'll be celebrating their graduation. That motivates me. It's been a privilege to teach them and guide their counseling as they work through their process of growing and changing, become more like Christ. Yeah, that's exciting. That is very, very exciting. What about this latest book? There's a story behind why you got involved in this book. So can you tell our listeners about that? 
Well, it's pretty straightforward, too. My friend and mentor, Doc Smith, wrote the first edition of the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference in 2003. And as he approached the end of his active career in medicine and biblical counseling, he asked me to edit the second edition. I really honestly wasn't real interested in doing it because I thought that for one person to write a book that broad would be extraordinarily difficult, but he exacted a promise from me, and I (laughs) promised him, and I fulfilled the promise. I kept it. I was trying to figure out how in the world I could write about so many different subjects and Mm -hmm. actually say something that was knowledgeable and important about them until Amy Baker asked me to write a chapter in her book. And the way she approached all of us who contributed to the book was, yeah, I'd like for you to write about this. For me, it was self-harm. But all it is is just two blogs. That's all you have to do. (laughs) And she recruited a good number of us to make that contribution. And that plus... The one instruction I stole from her was that she told us that as we wrote, we should write about the individuals that we were going to put as a story at the start of the book or the chapter, that we should consider them first as sufferers and second as sinners. Hmm. You know, come to dealing with their problems in life second. First, consider them as sufferers. So I set out to do the same thing. Dale Johnson encouraged me to edit the book because there was a growing need for another edition. The first edition was out of print. At some point, I think they were selling for $600 a copy on Amazon. I don't think anybody was buying them at that level, (laughs) but that was what the price was. And then New Growth Press indicated that they had an interest in publishing it. And so I set out recruiting doctors and I was able to recruit 10 other physicians, all of them certified ACBC counselors or at least on their way to becoming, I guess I could say that. And then I also got two social workers who were both certified. And then I got Craig Svensson, the uh, former dean of the School of Pharmacy at Purdue, to write a chapter. And all of those, some of them wrote two. I picked the five or the six chapters I really wanted to write, uh-huh. and I wrote those. And then I farmed out all the rest of them. And out of that, we were able to get the book. Doc's original book was written. He said one of the aims and goals was so that biblical counselors wouldn't be afraid to approach people who came with labels. Uh You know, one of the things he told us over and over again was don't counsel according to labels. Mm -hmm. Instead, you should listen to their thinking and their emotions and their behavior and then take them to the scriptures Mm -hmm. and, and find the solutions there. And he wanted biblical counselors to have enough information about medicine so that they would not be fearful to approach problems that had an important label on it. And I had one friend who said that reading Doc's original book took all the fear out of counseling people who would show up in the office with a label. Interesting. That was my goal. My goal was to do the same. Was We took 20 subjects that often show up in the counseling room and the writer would take and give a story of a patient which was HIPAA compliant. You know, it didn't exactly give anybody's real details and then give a summary of what the current medical knowledge of it was, and then they would give an approach from a biblical counseling view how we could be helpful and offer solutions to the problem from the sufficient scripture. So that was our goal in writing it, and honestly, I I think it turned out rather well. It took us three years instead of two. Initially, I thought I could probably get it done in a year, but then COVID happened, and all those people who were writing were generally wound up in some aspect of taking care of people who sure. were 
sick. So that, that's why we did the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. I'm glad it turned out the way it did. Well, thank you for the labor of love on behalf of you and those that you brought along to get the project done. There are very few people could have done that. So it's interesting that Dr. Smith asked you to, and you were faithful to that request. So thank you on behalf of all of us for doing it. The issue of medical science and biblical counseling, that's a big topic. Any thoughts that you would want to share with our listeners about that? Well, Doc Smith had a couple of good things to say about just that subject. One of them was that not every counseling problem will have a medical component. Uh You know, that there are lots of things that are in the DSM that really have no medical component that really only represent inconvenient behavior usually and sometimes simply immoral behavior, but they don't actually represent disease. You know, today some corners of medicine are working on explaining most all behavior is simply the outcome of our neurobiology. It's the, the mixture of chemicals in our heads. And at times we're viewed as simply soulless material beings. And of course, no behavior would be called sin. It's times like that that I think that medicine starts straying into some terrible corners. I mean, probably the one that is most obvious today after abortion is gender-affirming care, Mm -hmm. you know, where little boys and girls are convinced that somehow a mistake was made and their biologic gender is not their real gender, and then they're offered terrible medication and mutilative surgery to correct it. And I look at things like that, and I say at those point in times, it's biblical counseling's responsibility to call medical science to repent. Mm that, you know, to stand up and say, this is nonsense. So that's one aspect of it. But then you have to balance out on the other side. Doc also said that while biblical counseling sufficiently explains worry and fear and tells us how to deal with it, he said it does not tell us the physiology of the problem. It doesn't tell us what the body's doing at the time the individual is worried. And there are many medical disorders that have a profound effect on a person's emotions and their thinking and sometimes even their behavior. And it's very helpful for us as biblical counselors to have some understanding of the medicine that goes into it. There are lots of medical diseases that really aren't spoken of in the Bible, or at least very little is said about them. But in a very general sense, and as sufficiency is concerned, uh, Christ said in Mark 2, the sick need a physician. So he kind of gives us all the divine words we need, as John Frame would say, in order to guide ourselves as physicians. I think it was Heath Lambert who said in his Theology of Biblical Counseling that we as biblical counselors would be disadvantaged to a certain extent if we didn't have the knowledge that comes to us from the insights of modern medicine. I think of one A lady that I saw at a meeting last year who'd struggled with what she thought was worry for a decade and was burdened by the fact that she thought that she was responding to life in a non-biblical way. As a result, over time, she had seen several physicians in the process. And finally, one of them figured out that the poor woman had Parkinson's disease, put her on medicine, and the sensation that she was feeling in her body that she interpreted as worry or fear went away. So, you know, there are times when medicine can be very useful, as Doc Smith would have said. Well, and that's why it's so important. That's why I'm glad for our counseling center to have always had physicians as part of the team 
So if we had any questions, and our docs were always encouraging us, be sure that your counselees have had a recent medical workup. But if we had some sort of a question, could there be a medical component to what we're talking about to have physicians that we could talk with about it? And for them, so often they were seeing people in their offices whose whatever they were facing had a significant spiritual component. And so to be able to work together collegially has always been a great, great blessing for sure. What would you say to a physician who's listening to this podcast who has is kind of back where you would have been 25 plus years ago? who had an interest in biblical counseling, what would you tell them? Well, I would say that as a physician, you've been given a great gift. You know, being a doctor is not a privilege that everybody's offered, hmm. and that it's a blessing in your life. And I would hope that that individual would want to use that gift and the skills that come along with it to be a blessing to their church and to that church's counseling ministry. I would also invite them, like Doc Smith did, to uh, consider coming here, as he told me 25 years ago, and learn how to, how to counsel people in a way that is effective and gives them hope. Yeah, so our Biblical Counseling Training Conference in February would be a great way for a physician to take a week off and really focus in on what does that mean and what might it look like in my practice, what might it look like in my church and it'd be great if one of the effects of this podcast was more Charlie Hodges that the Lord was bringing onto the team. What about a pastor listening to this or a counselor who doesn't have a Dr. Hodges, who doesn't have a Doc Smith? What would you say to them? Well, I would say go looking for them. I would say that probably most of us who are part of the ACBC would be willing to talk to pastors who had questions and struggles and you could contact the ACBC and ask them if there's a, a physician certified biblical counselor in their area and ask if it would be all right if they contacted them and I think most of us would be happy to answer questions that would arise other ways to approach it is to find simply a Christian physician. Mm -hmm. uh, you could uh, look to the Christian Medical and Dental Society and find out who's signed up in, in your area and then contact them and say, you know, I do counseling. I have individuals that I counsel that I think may have medical problems. Would it be possible for me to refer them to mm -hmm. you so that you could see them, consult, and help us with their care? I think that's another pathway to go. Yeah, it's very possible that as a pastor or counselor is looking for a physician, it's likely that a physician is looking for a pastor or counselor. And so the desire might be mutual, and the relationship could be collegial, it could be synergistic for sure. But you don't know unless you ask, and you're not going to accomplish it unless you try. So perhaps that would be one of the takeaways from the, the podcast even today. Well, hey, Dr. Hodges, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your ministry. And thank you for the way you've encouraged us today. You're welcome. It was a privilege. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org slash conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, and you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Now, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.